Let me invite you back to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. We'll simply entitle the message tonight, Trusting God for More. Trusting God for More. Let's unite our hearts together. Word of prayer as we come to the preaching of his word tonight. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy presence. We thank the Lord for the good singing. And we bless thee for these words that we have considered in praise. And, O oh God, we pray that we might trust even thee tonight for more. Lord, thou art able to give us much more than this. And, O oh God, we pray that thou would come uh, by thy Spirit, thou would write thy word in our heart tonight. Lord, thou would give us understanding, as it were, bring us into this passage. Lord, shut out every distracting thought. Praying that thou would, Lord, take full control. And, O oh God, tonight that thou would be with us. Lord, thou knowest those that are thine, those that are yet unsaved. We pray, Lord, that thou would reveal thyself to them, and they might, Lord, have the scales lifted from off their eyes. They might, Lord, have the old deafened ears unstopped. And, O God, that there would be a man or woman tonight, young person, that will pull down the puny arms of rebellion, and they might seek the Lord. Father, to that end, fill us with thy spirit, Give us help from the sanctuary. Give us words that must and shall prevail. We ask these things in our Savior's name. Amen. Amaziah was 25 years old when he sat upon the throne. He was said to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. The sense of that means it wasn't with completeness. There's no comparison, if you like, between him and what King David was. We can say also, he was a king that had a good start, but he didn't continue. You'll notice in the words there of uh, verse 3, that he was to slay the servants that killed his father. There's justice there. There's nothing wrong with that. But he didn't go on to kill their children. And that was something that would have been acceptable in those days. But verse 4 tells us he didn't do it. Because he obeyed the law of God. The law that is quoted there from the book of Deuteronomy. And so you get the sense of this man. He gathered the army of his men together. They numbered 300,000. But yet as he contemplated going to war against Edom. And Edom was a land and a people that always seemed to be against Israel. And as he thought about going to war to them... He believed he still hadn't enough men. And so he was to hire another hundred thousand to swell the ranks. The problem was that he was to hire these men from the tribe of Ephraim, who were at that time given over to idolatry. And they were a people who had apostatized and had turned away from God. And it goes without saying that they were therefore under the displeasure and the disfavor of God. Sadly, these facts didn't seem to matter to Amaziah. All that he desired was to have men on hand to fight against the enemy. And so he hired these mercenaries. And so this king, whose name is also very significant, Amaziah means God is mighty. Not some name. God is mighty. He was set to face the foe. He was set to have himself a great victory. All was prepared. All was ready to go to battle. 
when suddenly we're told of a man of God that came to him in verse 7. But there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. For the Lord is not with Israel to wit with all the children of Ephraim. We're not told who this man was. We're not even given his name. But what we are told ought to be enough. It says, but there came a man of God unto him. And men and women, I don't want you ever to take that title lightly. That is the name or the title that was given, for example, to Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. And so we immediately get the idea or an idea of the sort of caliber of man that is in question. Here's a man who had no doubt had come with a message from the Lord. If he wanted to win the battle, if he wanted to be victorious, then he would have to heed the word that came from the Lord. If he ignored what was being told, then he would be sure of certain defeat and disaster. And you know, at the start of a new year, it's exactly the same for those who sit under the message of the gospel. You can either heed the word of God or else you can suffer the consequences for not doing so. That word of the gospel that has come to you many a time before. And I want to speak of Amaziah tonight. For in him is a picture of memory who are still outside of Christ. I bring you to my text in verse 9. Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Trust in God for more. Let me show you first of all here his affection. Amaziah in hiring the services of those mercenary men. It was at a cost to him of a hundred talents. Now needless to say that amounted to quite an amount of money. But now that this man of God has come and stood before him and told him to get rid of those hundred thousand men, there's a problem in the mind of Amaziah. But what shall we do with the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? He had spent all these talents, yet he was going to get nothing for it. His affection was upon the money. It was with those talents that he had increased his army. And it was the mere numbers that he was depending on to give him the victory over the enemy. This was something that he could do for himself. He had the wealth to do it. And so he had the wealth at will. He could go and buy the services of others. But to take those away was to him to take away his only hope. And that which he believed was his lifeline for this very battle that was ensuing. To to send away the extra man was somehow moreover to come away shortchanged. He had spent all that wealth. He had added to the ranks. He was now comfortable in terms of his army numbers to face the foe. But the man of God tells him to do the exact opposite. He was to send the men away without lifting a sword. And without using them in battle. Here was a king who was relying on things. But he needed to realize that his dependence was upon the wrong things. And it might bring to mind to you maybe a a more familiar character, that of Gideon. And Gideon was a great leader and champion of God. 
He had to learn the same truth that it wasn't numbers that were important. He started with 32,000 to face the Midianites. But God told him, get in, you have too many. 22,000 returned who were faithful, fearful, and he was left with 10,000. Get in. The Lord said, you have still too many. And so he ordered them to bring them down to the water. And those who drunk the water, lapping it with their hands, were those that were chosen. They were watching as they drunk. Whereas those who knelt down on their knees, they bowed down. They weren't suitable. And Gideon was left with just 300 men. And God was to say to him, Judges 7 and 7, the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. Let all the other people go, every man, unto his place. It was with the little remnant that God was going to give him the victory. Gideon would have to depend upon the Lord. You remember the woman in the Gospels that we looked at some weeks ago. And she had been sick for 12 years. We're told that she had spent all her living upon the physicians and was no better. They couldn't heal her. Her affection, her hope was upon the wrong things. It was only when she was to stretch out her hand and touch the garment of the Savior that she was made whole. It was only when she was to depend upon the only Savior that he, she was to be healed. And Amaziah had his affection upon the money that he had spent upon those whom he had around him in his army. But to go down that road was to meet with certain failure and defeat. And if he disregarded the word of God, then he would know what it was to be defeated and to lose the battle. When I think of this man, I can see him reflected in the lives of many people today. They seek to have heaven. They want to be certain of the glory of that eternal place. They want, if I was to go down the aisle tonight and ask every one of you, you'd want to walk to this golden street of heaven. But sadly, many have still got their affections on the wrong things. Many have their hopes upon what they can do. Many have their dependence on something else or someone else but what the Word of God tells us. And those who are sincerely believing that they can pay their way into glory. And there are others who believe sincerely they can work their way into heaven. But the Word of God says it is without money, it's without price. The offering plate will not get you into heaven. The good works and the good neighborliness will not get you into heaven. The Bible tells me that the work necessary has been accomplished. You see, we read in John 19 and verse 33 words. It's just one really in the Greek. It is finished. The work has been accomplished. The price has been paid and there remains no more that needs to be done. And for you to continue down that road to depend on these lesser things is to be certain of one day being in a lost eternity. Many young people have their minds on what they can get out of this world. They can, like Amaziah, only see the here and now, that which is before them. He can only see the great number in his army. I wonder what is it that your vision is upon tonight, whether you're younger or older. 
Maybe it is the good times. Maybe it's the company. Maybe it's the money. Maybe it's the secret sins. Whatever those hundred talents are to you, they're not worth losing your soul over. And it is time that some of you started to think, really think about the real eternal issues and considered what your need concerning the state of your soul is. Oh, men and women tonight, young people, don't sell yourselves short where God's salvation is concerned. Don't have your affections in the wrong place <clears throat> that Amaziah was to do. But having said that, I want you to notice now also his assurance. Because Amaziah was only concerned about the great loss that he felt he would be making. If he were to send home those extra soldiers that had paid a hundred talents for. But he was given an answer. And that answer came from the man of God which brought those hundred talents into the right perspective. It says in the middle of verse 9, the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. What an assurance that was to his heart. In other words, he wasn't to worry about a meager hundred talents where the Lord was upon the throne, the one who made all things, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. He was able to give him much more. The man of God directs his attention, you see, to the person of God. We are reminded by the words of the psalmist that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The gold, the silver, the riches, they all belong to him. Anything that you have tonight in your pocket is given by God. The man of God led him to think also about what possessions he could have if he would just obey the word of God and follow his commands. He would not merely be thinking in terms of a hundred talents, but the prospects were far much more than this. There would be a multiplying of what he had already. There, there would be a great increase in what he already possessed. And what's more, it would be freely bestowed upon him. The Lord would give him much more than this. What an assurance that Amaziah was to have that day. From the man of God. Well my friend tonight without God's salvation. Sitting in the house of God. I want you to reflect just now upon your life. And what it is. I want you to think of those things that you enjoy the most. Maybe it's the night out. Maybe it's the money that's being accrued somewhere in some place. Maybe it's those so-called friends that you love to get among. Maybe it's the kicks that you get out of this old world. Or it could be a thousand other things. But none of those things, those, those things which are holding you back from coming to the Lord, I want you to think upon them. Because like Amaziah, you believe that you have something to hold on to. You have something that you're reluctant to let go tonight. Amaziah was reluctant to let those hundred men go, for he had put a hundred talents on them to get them. And you have something, whatever it is, 
And maybe I haven't mentioned it by name, but you know what it is tonight. And it's holding you back from God, but you're reluctant to let it go. I want to tell you in the gospel, the Lord, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you place on one side of the scales tonight. But I assure you, the Lord is able to better it. I trust you notice that I don't direct you to the church. Yes, we are able to give you much more than many other places for we preach just this old book. But I don't direct you to the church because even it will fail you and the church is not perfect. I don't direct you to a preacher tonight or a prelate tonight for he will fail you. But I do direct you to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, for he shall not fail, nor be discouraged. It is the Lord who is able to give you much more. It's the Lord who can better your life from what it is now. It is the Lord who can give you a real joy and happiness which you have never experienced. You know, the Queen of Sheba is a good illustration for us. She had heard of King Solomon, but she didn't just rely on that. She came herself. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 10, in the words of verse 7, as she walked around the king's palace, she had to make this confession. She said, How be it? I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. You know, that's true of the Lord. The half hasn't been told us. Oh, we have got a good measure of what we can have in Christ, but the half has not been told us. It is yet to be realized. And I tell you something tonight. The servants of the Lord were happy. Oh, that doesn't say we don't have any troubles. We don't have any pains. We do, but we're happy. Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. Happy is the man. You could read it like that. Whose God is the Lord. And he will give you a greater possession for what is his will be yours. You will have that great prospect of one day joining with him in the glory and reigning with him as an heir of God and joint heir with Christ. Isn't that what we read in Romans chapter 8 and the words of verse 17? A great chapter for the child of God. It says, and of children then heirs, heirs of God <clears throat> and joint heirs with Christ. And if so, that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You think of the prospect of having not only your sins forgiven, not only your sins pardoned and washed away in the Savior's precious blood, but having that assurance of a home in heaven one day. For God in Christ has said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will will come again 
And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. My dear friend, as one who has been saved from my sin, saved from the running with this world, I can personally give you the assurance tonight, the Lord is able to give you much more. The Lord is able to give you much more than what you have this evening. And you think you have something that you're reluctant to let go of. And it's keeping you back from God. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. But don't take it from me. Take it from the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 3. He gives that personal word of testimony. We know something of the background of Paul. In verse 7. After giving the stock that he came from. The stock of Israel. Tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew and Pharisee. All of that. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yet doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Some of you know what dung is. We're from a farming community around here. We know what the refuge is. And that's what Paul described the things that he used to depend on, the things that he was hesitant to give up. He says, they're only but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul knew the great change. Paul knew the one who died on the middle cross. It was upon the cross of Calvary that Christ gave us all. So that you might have eternal life, having paid the price of salvation. He's ready, he's willing to give the repentant sinner, the one who comes to him, the fullness of the blessings of heaven. What an assurance. I wonder, are you going to run on in the things of the world? I wonder, are you going to run on in the pleasures which only last for a season? I wonder, are you going to follow those empty aspirations that you have at the beginning of a new year? Or will you at last taste and see that the Lord is good? Will you come to him? I bring you a little verse, a little verse that was on my bedroom wall at home when I was a child. John chapter 10. I want you to listen. For Jesus said, I am come that ye might have life. Ye might have it more abundantly. You're not living life to the full. Oh, you think you are tonight in your sin, but you're not. Christ says, I am come that ye might have life. And that you might have it more, more abundantly. There's the assurance. What about his obedience? For having heard these words from this man of God, what would be his if he followed the word from the Lord? Happily we can say that Amaziah was obedient. The words of verse 10 speak of him doing a work of separating. Then Amaziah separated them to wit the army that was come to him out of Ephraim to go home again. 
is to separate the hundred thousand men who had came from Israel. Those who had incurred the displeasure of the Lord. And he sent them home. And that separation was to incur the wrath and the anger of those men. You see, those men were missing out in those days in the army. Although we have said that Amaziah the king spent a hundred talents in bringing them this far. That wasn't really their wages. Their wages was the spoils of the battle. And so the army would go in and they would gain the victory and all the spoils would be there and they would go in and they would be able to take for themselves. And now Amaziah said to those men, go home again. And that's why they're angry. They lost out in their payday. But what Amaziah did was to obey God rather than men. And his obeying of God's word meant a separation. And the next thing that you read is that Amaziah strengthened himself and he took that step of faith of depending on the Lord to give him the victory as he went to battle. And what's more, you also read in verse 11 that he was to see 10,000 of the Edomites smote with a sword. In other words, Amaziah, because he obeyed what God had said unto him through his servant, he was to have great success. He was to return home in victory. He was to prove the meaning of his name. God indeed is mighty. And my friend, as we see that, as we see it before us, even in these verses, I believe the application is very clear and plain to our souls. If you want to accept God's way of salvation, which is the only way, and you want to leave this house of God tonight with the assurance that all is well with my soul, then, my friend, you'll have to do the work of separation. There'll be a separating work in your life. There must be the separating from sin. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning away from your sin. It's being sorry for your sin. So sorry. You're not going back to it again. But you're turning on to Christ. You're having done with it. And that in turn may mean a separating from the old friends of the world. But you know what I'm going to tell you? The Lord is able to give you much better than those old friends. He'll give you new friends. There may well needs be the separating from the old places of the world as well. You see, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It may mean that you'll suffer the anger or the displeasure of so-called friends. But what is that in the light of having a friend that sticketh closer than any brother? What is that in having that relationship, that saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, of having acceptance with God the Father through the Lord Jesus, the one who was despised, the one who was rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. What's more, it is only when you come to know Christ as Savior that you'll know that strength from above. Amaziah strengthened himself. 
And he led forth his people. The Lord doesn't save you and then leave you, you know. The Lord saves and he strengthens. You'll have that which is needed by way of strength to run the race, to face the temptations and the trials and the battles that the world and the flesh and the devil will throw against you. You will know his help. You'll know his assurance. Behold, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And it is when you come to know Christ that you will know real success in your life. The psalmist, he speaks of the blessed or the happy man in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that standeth not among the sinners or sitteth among the scornful. If you take time and you go home to read that short psalm, you'll realize when you come to verse 3 that he likens the child of God to a tree planted by the living waters whose leaf doesn't fade and that whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The second part of that we psalm, there's only six verses in it, speaks about the ungodly. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Oh, my friend, where are you tonight? The Lord is ready to give you all this and much more. But I wonder, is tonight going to find you accepting the Savior's death on that cross, accepting his work of redemption for a sinner like you, appropriating it to yourself, not just saying Christ died on the cross. I dare say we all believe that. But realizing that Christ died on the cross for me, me the sinner, me the unworthy, the unjust, the unlovely. Christ died on the cross for a wretch like me and accepting his gift of salvation through that finished work, accepting his peace through the blood of his cross, accepting and resting upon his promises that will last and will hold for all time and into eternity. Oh, men and women, as I draw to a conclusion tonight, I urge upon you to turn from your sin. I urge upon you to lay hold upon Christ by faith to find acceptance with God this evening. Go out through those doors. Go home knowing that it is well with your soul that God is mighty to save for he has saved me. Amaziah proved the Lord here. Amaziah was victorious because he obeyed the command of the Lord. I wonder, will you obey the Lord's command tonight? What command is that? Come unto me, all yet labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have rest in your sin, but you can have now. You can have it in Christ. I wonder, will you come even at his bidding? May the Lord be pleased to bless his word to your soul and that you might trust God tonight for more. More than what you have. You'll have all the blessings of heaven itself. And eternity to follow. 572, let's stand to sing in closing. 572. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. Hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure 
I see. What's the words as we sing it? I pray it might be a word of testimony for you. You'll be able to sing it from the heart. I, a wonderful Savior, is Jesus my Lord. 572, let's stand as we sing.
Lord, we thank Thee that there's those who can say tonight, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. We thank the Lord that we know that protection. Thou dost cover Thy hand over us. We're in Christ. We have the assurance that one day we'll be with Christ. But Lord, we pray for those yet in their sin. They think they're living. They're holding on to things that they cannot give up. But, O oh God, we pray that thou would write this word on their heart, the Lord. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Life will be worth living. And we pray that thou would bring them to an end of themselves. And tonight, Lord, they'll bow the knee and they'll accept Christ as their Savior, as their Redeemer. O oh God, part us with thy blessing. Give us journey of mercy's home. We pray thy blessing to be upon us this week. Until we meet again, for we ask these things in our Savior's precious and all-worthy name. Amen.